Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special week here on the Salty Pastor Podcast, a week dedicated to honoring women and especially the mothers that we love and even the ones that we don't love. <laughs> just <laughs> Wait a second. Are we there love, mothers? We love all mothers. Uh, really? Do I we? Just, okay. I, I, I think it's kind of biblical. We're supposed to love mothers, <laughs> but we do. We but love on all occasion, there's somebody who says, man, I can't stand my mother. Yeah. We don't, we don't have to like them, but we do need to love them. Um, we are here as the Salty Pastor Podcast to inform you and help you make your own choices. We're not here to tell you what to think. We're just here to give you information so you know how to think for yourself. And that's yeah. what I mm -hmm. think is most important so you can build your own faith. Yep. You're not just a sheep. Um, you can go out and make your own choices. We're having all of these discussions to help you cultivate your own discussions amongst your family and your friends. And that's what the Salty Pastor is all about. And we can't do this it. podcast without our very own Salty Pastor, Dr. Douglas Peak. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, welcome, everyone. This week is a special week because we're going to dedicate it solely to women. And uh, this is a lot tougher than you might think. I, we talked about this a little bit before we started. Yeah. And it's, Women we're, we're on thin ice, we're I think. We're on thin ice here because if you go on Amazon, you do a search for books, you know, on women and how to encourage women, empower women, and you know, inspire women, bring hope to women, talk about uh, all of these types of things. They are 100% written by women. Women. <laughs> Very few men are willing today's world to actually speak directly to women. Because our societal vibe right now is that men have nothing to say. I, I believe the term is mansplaining. Mansplaining. Mansplaining, I believe, is the term of uh, us explaining to women as men how to do things, how they should be living their <laughs> lives. And this yeah. term, I think, has kind of reached its peak height at this point in time where yeah. it's like if you even utter words to a woman about how they should do it, then it can instantly be construed as mansplaining and i'm not saying that there isn't an issue with some men saying i know better than you just shut up and listen like that's this is not a this but is that's not pretty a rare yeah it's and i mean there's some guys that think they are the gift that god bestowed upon the planet and they will go to that but i don't think it's yeah. as as widespread as um our media and certain people would like us to believe correct um you know men just in general we're we're the problem our mm -hmm. systems that we created are the ones that have put women in the position they're in and we're just toxic all around so how dare we open our mouths to try to say anything of course we're the salty here so that's exactly <laughs> what we're gonna do <laughs> When have we ever followed the culture here on the Salty Pastor? So, uh, Pastor Doug, why are we talking directly to women? Why well, why are we jumping into this giant salt vat? Well, because I think that there's so much uh, misinformation. There's so much miss. Uh, the, the vibe that's out there right now is just completely false. Um, right now, these are the best of times. Uh, you could say, but the worst of times, you know, to quote Dickens, for females, on the one hand, are the best of times. Females have the greatest freedom, even in America, by every objective data analytics. Women have more freedom, more opportunity, more open to success. Uh, they have they, they control more sections of the economy. Uh, have more influence over how dollars are spent. 
more over education, more over everything than any time in history in any society. They have the greatest amount of freedom. They also have the greatest amount of health care. I mean, a lot of people don't realize is that uh, just in the last 100 years, and a lot of these things were uh, developed in America, have brought tremendous freedom and quality of life to women. Uh, for instance, the development of feminine hygiene products was a mm. big technological advance. Right. The development of the pill so that women could choose at what point they would have children. And so they have more uh, uh, options for freedom, more access to health care than ever before. Their opportunity is higher. More women uh, graduate with honors from high school, more women go to college, more women graduate with honors, more women have master's degrees by a large margin. Uh, most women now when they get out of college up until the point when they're like 35 earn vastly more money than their male counterparts. So on the one hand, it's the best of time ever for women. And I would go so far as to say this, it will never get any better. Mm. It will never get any better. A lot of times people say, oh, things are so great right now. We know we can improve. How? We, we can't improve it because once you move past the opportunity and freedoms that you have now, what's happening is now all this other stuff is bubbling up to the surface that's starting to reverse the freedom and opportunity that women have. And that's because people are trying to pursue utopia. Right. And utopias always become dystopias. And it's starting to happen because even though these are the best of times for women, it's also the worst of times for women. And I say that when you, uh, when, when uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and socialists and socialists, sociologists, <laughs> excuse me, study women and they do blind studies and they really try to dig in, they find out that females today report some of the highest levels of unhappiness in recorded history. So women have more opportunity, they have more money, they have more uh, better health and access to health care and so forth and so forth, but they're also becoming more and more unhappy. So that, that was your Dickens quote of best of time, worst of times. Yep. yep. So, I mean, I, I kind of see this because it's like they're getting all these conflicting messages. It's like uh, women need to be empowered. They need mm -hmm. to... They need to pull themselves up. They need to have all of this, like, you need to do better. You need to be more confident. You're a strong, powerful woman. But also, it's all the men's fault or the society's fault or the system's fault. Okay, well, which one is it? Is it, is it I'm supposed to fix myself or is it the system yeah. that's broken? Yeah. And then there's uh, mm -hmm. uh, different groups. Uh, I think you call them second, third wave feminists. Yes, yes, that are different saying, levels of feminism, you know, yeah. Marriage is slavery and yes. staying at home hurts the cause and you're not you're not Correct. empowering your sisters because you may have a deep desire as a woman to just be a mm -hmm. stay-at-home mom like that's I have a friend that that is her biggest desire she works right now but the moment she gets married her plan is to I want to be a stay-at-home mom that is my life's goal and that's her goal yeah, yeah. but she's being told by her friends that are very uh deep in this feminist line of thinking saying you can't do that because otherwise you're taking a step back and you're hurting your sisters mm. and you and it's like you either have to be it, it, they kind of polarize it as yeah. you're either a feminist or you're uh you know um basically trying to be a man 
or something on that spectrum, or you're completely abandoning the cause. Yeah. You're a valley yeah. girl that stays at home and you're just, you know, there yeah. to look pretty and be a trophy wife. There's no spectrum of like, well, I want to work for a while and then I want to stay at home. It's either you're with us or you're against us. There's yeah. no, yeah. there's no in between. And I could see how that messaging as a woman would drive you insane of like, well, I can't pursue what I really want because I'm being told from all sides that what I want or who I want to be is wrong. Yeah. that And that's so sad because these were well-intentioned, I think, originally messages to help women uh, embrace the opportunities that they had to pursue things that the freedom to pursue things that they want to pursue. But what has happened is once all those things became available, then the people who drove those, the you know, those cause were kind of lost the, so they had to create new demons. They have to create new conflicts, you know, something to keep fighting so that they're, they, they still have a sense of self-importance that they're making right. a contribution. And that's why we call it the rise of the expressive self, the modern self, the psychological self. And that, that what's going on today is these messages have become a lose-lose situation for women. So you can have more and you'll have more opportunity, you'll have more wealth, you'll have better health, so you have more health, but you also have more anxiety, more unhappiness, and more depression. So that's a whole lot of more going on. It's an unwinnable battle. It's an unwinnable there's battle. There's always something yeah. else. Well, yeah. we don't have this. Well, we don't have this. So society always... has really put women in a in a lose lose situation, and that's what society is doing. Your inner belief about who you are is is really critically important. And this rise and triumph of the modern expressive self is where these messages are coming from. And so women, I think, uh, have been told what to believe. Many women subconsciously uh, believe these things, and therefore they're very unhappy. Right. Well, everything we do comes from the New Testament, the testimony of Jesus. What does Jesus have to say to women? I mean, we don't want. I mean, he's a man, so. But these aren't my opinions. Just this is from the big man. This is from God. Yeah, these are not my opinions. These are from God, and he spoke through the Apostle Peter that you're many people are very familiar with, and First Peter. Uh, it's really interesting because when you read First and Second Peter, these were two letters to all the churches, and the Apostle Peter was writing because the churches at this time were suffering tremendous persecution, right? Right. And what happened is he's giving various levels of instruction to different groups, and when it comes to women, he says, "Look, in First Peter chapter three, verse three, your beauty should not come from outward adornment." So I think it's interesting as he talks about, you know, women are beautiful and many women uh, are drawn to want to be as beautiful as they can be. So it's interesting that the female DNA and the way they're created, God's imprint upon them, the imagio deo, is uh, to be beautiful, to love beauty, bring beauty. But it's interesting. So he says, your beauty, this drive within you, should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. So he talks about the things that society says will make you beautiful and attractive. He says, verse four, rather, and so that word basically means a juxtaposition, uh, an opposite. 
So rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, what's interesting is that what a feminist will do is misinterpret this and ridicule it. And they'll say, well, that's just men telling women to sit down and shut up, which is not true. That's complete misinterpretation of what he is saying. He says, verse 5, this is the way the holy women of past who put their hope in God used to adorn them. And so in verse 5, what he's saying is, look, this is the way the holy women of the past. Who do you know in the past? You know, you always remember the most famous, the most influential, the most powerful, right? Right. That's who you remember. No, you know, nobody remembers Eunice who lived in 1532, who lived on a farm her whole life and had no kids. Right. Nobody knows that. You know, people are like, well, who you remember the famous people because they were uh, a, a, an integral part of historical change. And so you look back on these figures, you know, that had this massive uh, influence. And so he's saying the women of old had huge influence. You know who they are? How? Because they put their hope in God and they adorned themselves differently. And so I'd like to break down what he, the two basic things. He says, uh, the unfading beauty, right? So first and foremost, ladies, Peter says that he understands your drive to be attractive, right? And to be beautiful. He says, so pick something that's unfading, mm. that is always attractive and never fades with age. And that is a gentle and quiet spirit. And the word gentle comes from the Greek word praus, and basically, it means a gentle spirit or meekness, and, and meekness is the ability to control your strength. So a weak person cannot be a gentle person, right? Right. Uh, for instance, if you're a mom, when you hold your baby and you care for your baby, you're very gentle with your baby. You know, a lot of moms, when they first have, they have their first baby, you know, and you say, hey, can I hold your baby? They're like, uh, no. <laughs> Why? Because they're, they're very gentle and they want to make sure you know what you're doing. And do you see what I'm saying is that, yeah. so, so that means that, uh, ladies, when you become a parent, you're in a position of power. And so you have to, you, you're gentle, right? Right. Uh, people who are gentle, you know, with kittens and puppies, why are we gentle with kittens and puppies? Right? Because they're fragile and we're stronger than them. We can injure them and hurt them. Right. So the point I'm getting to is Peter's point is that you have to understand how powerful you are before you can be a gentle person. And women learn gentleness because they have a tremendous influence and power in the lives of men, women, and children around them. The world wants to convince you that you don't have any power. The, the world wants to convince you that you're a victim of something, you know, of uh, patriarchy or male dominance. And, it, and so the world constantly creates all of these uh, demons and boogeymen. And then when something bad happens to you, you blame it on that. And so it's a really easy thing to do because the bottom line is we live in an imperfect world. So something bad always happens to people. Right. Right. And so what they're trying to do is create a paradigm, a way of thinking that says, oh, well, the reason this bad thing happened to you is because of this evil thing up there that has to do with men. Well, what that does is women are now convinced that they're powerless. And so how can they become gentle when they are convinced they're powerless instead of powerful? And so the, the, the juxtaposition is here. 
When a female feels powerless, that she has no influence, then she's absolutely justified in saying whatever she wants, doing whatever she wants, acting and thinking any way she wants. It's like, damn the consequences. Doesn't matter. Right. Because no one's going to listen to me. I don't have any power. Nothing's going to occur. Yeah. And so everybody knows at times women, you know, that are this way, they get, they're very insecure and they feel that they're powerless. And, and so they say that creates a lot of hurt. It creates a lot of pain. It creates suffering. And in the end, it steals from her any sense of self-respect. Today they use the word, you know, self-love or self-care, stuff like that. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But the issue is, is that by believing that you're powerless, you then lose your self-respect. And so there's no way that you could ever achieve any type of self-love, right, or self-care, because you're in a trap. And the culture's created this trap, this lose-lose trap. The second word there is quiet, and it comes from a Greek word, hesukios. And there's two words that are brought together. The first one is steadfast and firm. And the second word is to own or possess. So, you, you know, a, a quiet spirit is not uh, one, you know, that you think is uh, so mild mannered. They're a wallflower. What he's getting at here is that you know who you are, you have a firm and steadfast conviction and you own it. So you know your identity, you own who you are. So what makes a woman strong? Not outwardly beauty, but what's inside, and that's her courage and that's her confidence. Uh, Do you steadfastly know who you are? Uh, Some people will say we need women to speak their minds. Well, isn't it about speaking your mind as much as what's in your mind to speak, right? And that has to do with this knowing who you are and being steadfast and then owning your identity. This is why being gentle is such a virtue in combination with this, because you have gentle, controlled strength, which comes from a centered spirit of, I know who I am, I know why I am here, and I know where I am going in life. Well, and it's it, it, it continues on what we've been talking about of like, the culture's kind of always giving you conflicting messages all the yeah. time. Where it's like, well, we want you to be empowered, but only empowered in our way. Like, you need to think about yourself the way we want you to think about yourself. As someone who doesn't have to be with a man, doesn't want to be with a man, doesn't want to have kids, doesn't want these things. So be empowered as long as you're empowered our way. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. Or they ask them to do everything. They're like, well, you should be a mom still. And you should get married, but you should also not work at, you should also be working out of the house. You should also be doing a fitness plan. You should also be um, serving with a charity group. You should be doing all of these things. And that's the expectation is you can't just be you. You have to be everything for everybody to make sure that you are representing womankind the right way. The right way, yeah. So the message is, I think, you know, is, is really hard today, especially for girls, you know, uh, because what happens is you, we start off telling girls in elementary school, you know, dream a dream, be whatever you want, da, da, da. but then subtly people start telling girls, usually other women that when a girl says, man, I want to meet a boy and follow up. No, you don't. You, you don't want that. You know, men are, men are bad. Um, you say, oh, well, I, I think I'd like to do, no, you, you really don't want to do that. <laughs> it's really interesting. You know, there's a study out that has come uh, in the Nordic countries, which uh, Finland, Sweden, and Norway, uh, 
And really interesting in that is, is that these are homogeneous groups. So ethnically, they're just basically one ethnicity. Right. They're not real big. You know, I mean, they're less than, you know, 10 million people in each one. And so they're not big countries. We visited them. They're gorgeous, beautiful. In the summertime, in the wintertime, it's <laughs> dark and frosty. cold. <laughs> yeah, but in the summertime, it's great. Uh, it's beautiful. And so one of the things that's really interesting is that they try, they codified in law equality of men and women, that you have the freedom to pursue anything you want and so forth. And, and it's worked really well. And what is interesting is that the more they have pursued equal opportunity for men and women, women have chosen things like mathematics and engineering and STEM fields less and less and less. And they're, they're self-selecting now to do the things that they want to do. And that is they love psychology and teaching and nursing, things that have to do with people. And this comes out of the fact that it has been proven over and over and over again is that in general, now there's exceptions, but in general, men are more interested in things and women are more interested in people. people. And so I think the thing is, is that the challenge for women is to know who you are as a female and grow into that. We always talk about, you know, boys need to grow up and become men. Mm. Well, in the same way, I think women need to, uh, you know, girls need to grow up and become women. Like right. he says, they're the women of old, the women that, you know, the icons of history, right. you know, these are women and how did they do that? And, and so I think that transition is really important. Let me give you a couple of, uh, of just practical things that I think what Peter is talking about. So you're a girl and you're dating, right? Do you want to be a girl or a woman in your dating life? I mean, ideally a woman, I believe. <laughs> ideally. Well, a girl, girl, if you're a girl, this is what has happened. You're going to go out with boys and you're going to think, focus on how to be liked and accepted. The higher the boy is on the perceived social status ladder, guess what? The more important it is for him to like you. Right. So you're going to want guys that are at your level or, or above, you want to him to like you. So you focus on attraction that you think he will like. Well, if you date as a woman, right, and you're dating a man, you're not primarily concerned with, does he think I'm pretty or will he like me or want me? You're thinking primarily, is this a man I can respect and love? Is right. this a man I can respect and love? And so it's really interesting how often I will meet women that are just, from the world standard, impeccably achieved women. You know, women super smart, law degrees, physicians and doctors and surgeons and, you know, just people who are really accomplished, right? And they start dating a guy and they date like girls instead of like women, you know, and the biggest thing that they do is there's these massive red flags that crop up. And you know what they do is they dismiss them. They rationalize them away. And you're thinking, okay, always remember if you're dating, date like a woman, not a girl. And that means be concerned with, is this a man I can respect and love? I know he has flaws, but will I, am I going to lose respect for him? And here's what happens. You see, when girls date... They usually marry boys, not men. And then they and when they're married, they they act like girls instead of women. And that's not good because what girls do when they're married is they obsess over what they don't have. 
or how their husband isn't perfect. So they're never at peace. They're never satisfied. They're never happy because they always expect a level of something that they're never able to achieve in their marriage. And so what do they do is they try to change. And if they can't get change, then that means this isn't real love. Right. So, and you can see that is not a recipe for success. That's a recipe for what, you know? Disaster. Disaster. But when, but when a woman is married to a man and she acts like a woman and thinks like a woman, she, she, she says, I'm going to see the good. I'm going to main, maintain my desire for a deeper, stronger marriage, but I'm not going to let my desire for more uh, become my relational expectation. And if I don't get it, then that gives me a right to be angry and upset as a woman or as a female. So in your marriage, it's a very important thing is that you don't want to think like a girl and, and have an attitude of a girl. You want to have, think and have the attitude of a woman, a mature woman. Because you're going to have a husband, you know, 95% of all human beings on the face of the planet, regardless of religion, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, or anything else, get married. Right. You know? So uh, you're going to have a, a husband. And guess what? If you think like a girl, you're going to be really unhappy or dissatisfied because you place your self-worth in your ability to change a situation, like I just said before. And your husband uh, is not the way you want, so you're going to try and change him in what you think he should be. He doesn't change, so you try harder, and then you feel worse about it because nothing changes, so you fall into despair. You feel you're worthless. You're destined for unhappiness the rest of your, your days. Your husband is never going to be the man that you hoped that he could become. And so women, on the other hand, think differently. They understand that they change no one. God is the one who changes and transforms. And so their prayer is, God, move through me to affect the change that you want. Because I'm not even sure what I want. I have seen so many girls, married boys, try to change their men into what they want because they're boys, they're not men, they comply, right? And guess what happens? The girl says, I don't respect him anymore. Right. I've seen this over and over again in 35 years of full-time ministry is women change their husbands into what they want. And then once the husband complies, they lose respect for him. So there's something spiritual and subconscious going on there. And I think girl thinking brings that about, but woman thinking counteracts all of that. And she has the opportunity to have a, a deep and abiding marriage. When a woman is married, her primary goal is how can I help my man become the man he's meant to be in Christ? You know, how can I help that process? So she acts wisely towards him. She loves and supports him. Um, she also knows when to draw boundaries, right? Right. But she's not heaping all these expectations on him that he's trying to comply with in order to make her happy. You see, and so anyway, long and short of it, it also plays out in your parenting. You know, girls raise children and girls raise children in a way that creates insecure children because girls uh, as moms will berate their kids, guilt their kids, try to uh, manipulate their kids and say, you know, how could you do this to me after all I've done for you? And that, that doesn't create confident, strong kids, right? 
Uh, but women, on the other hand, when they raise kids, they, they raise power-packed, confident adult children because they're gentle in their discipline. They are firm. They are consistent. They are intentional because they, they know I'm disciplining this child to build into them the qualities that allow you as a boy to become a man or a girl to grow to maturity into a woman. So don't be a girl. Be a woman. It'll be the greatest thing that you ever do in your journey in life. Well, and I, I think as we're wrapping up here, the last thing I kind of want to talk about was um, well, there's a lot of emphasis in the culture on the self-love of, of women, right? Like yes. they're supposed to go out and they're supposed to love themselves. They don't need anybody else to love them. They need to uh, go to beauticians and get all dolled up, and that's supposed to make them feel better and and fix this hole that they've been yes. fighting and help them build confidence. And, you know, there is some truth in that of, you know, you mm -hmm. spend some time working on yourself. I get a new haircut. I feel good. I feel, yeah. I feel <laughs> confident. <laughs> I get that. But it's when, when you're trying to fill a hole, that's a spiritual hole or an emotional hole right. with something that is outward facing and a physical thing of getting my nails done is going to fix the heartache that I just got from breaking up with that boy. I think that's, that maybe yeah. isn't quite, quite going to do it. Do it. So <laughs> do you want to speak on this, this self love? Why does Peter encourage women to focus on their inner spiritual development over the physical attraction development that I think our culture kind of puts in line? Well, you know, that's insightful that you bring that up because I think the fact that there's such an emphasis on self love right now, shows that what women have been fed in our society over the last 30 years isn't working, right. obviously, because now they're emphasizing this so much more. But the second thing is I think Peter wrote this 2,000 years ago, and he wrote it because he loves women. He loves women, sacrificially loves women. And I think what he's getting at at a deep level is this, is if your self-worth is based on attraction, physical attraction or whatever, in that your capacity to attract, then your success at attraction and your value of self depends upon yourself. You see, I, I want to feel attractive. I want to feel wanted. I want to feel valued and loved and stuff. And, and I want to like myself and respect myself. But what's interesting is that in and of it, if you just reduce it just to that little context, what you're saying is that my happiness and fulfillment and self-love depends upon me and my capacity to do that for myself. So loving yourself by yourself for the purpose of feeling loved and valued seems to me to be an endless merry-go-round that never goes anywhere. Right. Right? Because it, it's based on a false premise, and that is I have the power within myself to give myself value. C.S. Lewis said it's like standing in a bucket grabbing the handle of the bucket and trying to lift yourself up. Right. You know, it's not going to happen. Now, on the other hand, if your value is derived from something outside of you, from God who created you to be a female, then your inner character development is a journey of walking into the love and value that Jesus bestows on yourself. It doesn't come from yourself. It comes from Jesus. And since he's the one who created you, he knows even better than yourself what you need to experience 
that healing and the wholeness, the self-love, the self-care, and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's why Peter says, focus on the inner character development, because the deception is, is that the more attractive you are, the happier you'll be. But in reality, it's the more your faith grows, the happier and more fulfilled you will be. Amen. Well, that is all we have time for today, unfortunately. We're going to continue this discussion on Thursday. We'll dive a little bit deeper onto some things. Um, But I just want to really invite all the ladies who might be listening, please join us on Sunday. We're going to be honoring you um, uh, as mothers, as women here at Foothills. And it's going to be a really great celebration of how amazing and blessed we are to have all of you in our lives. So we're really excited for that. Hopefully you'll join us on Thursday for more podcasts and obviously on Sunday, Mother's Day, to celebrate all of you amazing women in our lives. Thank you so much. And we will see you on Thursday. All right.